April 13th, 2008, it's the Watt from Pedro Show.
about red Lebanese Oil a dirty room a Silver coke spoon Give me my release Back Afghani It's got you weak in me Some seeds and dust You got bust on Yeah, it's hard to believe 30 days in a Greasy heart, rolling dance floor, got your head spinning round. You're out on the road. Well, there's a new power code. Take some urban noise, urban poison.
Watt from Pedro Show. Started off with uh, John Coltrane playing Things Ain't What They Used to Be. And then uh, we heard 30 Days in the Hole, a live version of a Humble Pie song by Mike Watt and the Black Gang. I'm here in Pedro, uh, April 13, 2008, and my pad. Not with Brother Matt, he couldn't do it. Just got back from his uh, Mexican kayak uh, trip. We'll hear all about that next week. He saw a lot of whales and stuff. I don't want to ruin anything with that. So, um, uh, joining me today is Miss Peak. Hello, again. Who came from sweatier parts? Oh, 100 degrees it was. Now, Pedro here, it's in the 80s. We got Santa Ana's. When I was pedaling this morning, I had wind in my face coming mm-hmm. back. So westerly. Yeah. And when they're westerlies, I know they're Santa Ana's. And oh. that means they're coming out of the desert. Because you, uh, a typical trend is easterly. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, pushing me as I'm going back. In my face as I'm going. I and see. it was the opposite, right, right, right. and uh, I just know I it was going to be warmer. And it was, and it got hot on me as I was pedaling. Yeah. But being in the P- a Pedro here and by the water in the harbor, it ge- generally is cooler. So mm-hmm. maybe it's okay for you to be here rather than where you were. Yeah, I saw a couple few cars overheating. Wow! And parked to the side and getting towed and whatnot. Yeah, um, I think I don't know if it's unusually warm, but this weekend has been. Pretty up there for April. For April, it kind of is warm, yeah. but at least it's dry and ain't sweaty. Oh, I like it sweaty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> can't handle your humidity. Yeah, I grew up in Thailand. I'm all about humidity. <laughs> you mean you didn't tolerate it? You just got into it. Yeah, well, it's more used to. Do you use air conditioning? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> well, after you got into that, it's also another set up used to <laughs> you want to get anything done yeah like the south yeah. or anywhere east of the Rockies in the US come summer uh, speaking of black gang well first I should say uh, because it's been three weeks since I did a show and April 1st was D Boone's birthday so happy belated birthday wishes to D Boone uh, on April 1st his birthday I started black gang album Nels Klein Bob Lee, the last version of the Black Gang that I toured with tonight. Just felt this was the the version, I think. Although I loved it with the Hodges and Joe Biza. And mm-hmm. in fact, the contemplating the engine room was Nels Klein and Steve Hodges. Mm-hmm. I just thought this was the group to help me realize this. Uh, it's not an opera-like engine room. It, it's a... Uh, but it is a concept and the concept is autumn and or fall but you'd rather say autumn actually <laughs> I think fall is like a US because over in England they say autumn I'm just saying yeah by the word choice no I don't think they use fall I think yeah. that's a US a colloquialism but I like fall in a way because it has a uh another meaning that's what I'm saying you don't want to use well that's where I heard it 
<laughs> and uh, but uh, yeah, my life definitely not spring. Hopefully not winter. And I had the sneaking hunch summer is gone. So yeah, autumn because it came on me really September that I got to do this thing, and the plan was to do it. Before the solstice, which was my birthday. Like or, your 50th or, birthday. Actually, it was the day after. I think it was the 21st this Yeah, it's year. always 20, about 21st, yeah. And my birthday's the 20th. And, and mine But sickness too. way late in <laughs> yours, too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the celebration, not saying birthday, because... I don't care. You're many moons I was just saying. Before. I just, I just not keep, many. I just keep saying it. peak's a woman. She ain't a girl. Or she ain't 50. <laughs> Uh, sickness waylaid that. Mm-hmm. And then second attempt was going to be beginning of February. Mm-hmm. And then Nell's uh, huge hurt on his uh, uh, pinky via the hand, via the arm, via the shoulder, via the neck. The Actually, bone. it originates in the neck mm-hmm. and uh, degenerating neck bones, and which was a big scare. Yeah. For him, for me, for anyone who loves that man's music. So, had to be put off again. And so it seemed like there was a conspiracy hmm. against this album. But then here on D. Boone's birthday, five days with Jimmy Messer at a stu- his studio, The Institution, downtown L.A., 7th Street, just east of L.A. River. Cement-lined <laughs> river, sewer mm-hmm. trough. <laughs> You know, it empties out in Long Beach. Oh, yeah. Kind of where... Because you can't rent yaks in Pedro. Right. But you can uh, get them in Long Beach, so you might paddle out there. Like what you're going to do one day. One day. Water. You don't like water, right? <laughs> and yeah, I can't believe Thai people don't like water. I mean... Thai people do. I yeah, don't. because the ocean... It's almost a huge peninsula. I'm not a representative of, right? of Thai people. Right. Well, you're one kind just like Pedro for me. I'm, I, I have people talk to me about that. Aren't all Pedro people like you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I never learned how to swim, so that's kind of a bummer. You wear a life jacket. You float until I fucking drag into the yacht. What about the nightmare I have of uh, drowning in bottomless uh, oceans? What's the life jacket's for? You yeah, just I float. I don't trust it. Something will eat my legs. Yeah, that might happen. <laughs> But then you would be saved and pushing yourself around on a cart. <laughs> You'd learn a new way. That's awesome. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> Take that away. But, as I was saying, Jimmy Messer on the knobs, uh, Nels Klein on the guitar, Bob Lee on the drums, and myself were the only folks there, except you, Pete. You were the only yeah. witness, and you were there twice. Twice. On the last day and the next to the last day, right? Briefly. I think it was... Uh, was it Friday and Saturday or Thursday like and Saturday? Thursday and Saturday, Okay, so th- day three and day five you were there. Mm-hmm. And day three shorter. Right, because I was still milling around the house, and I got a call and said that, it's, that you guys Because I wanted be pictures. I mean, there's a hard way to take pictures when you're trying to play in. Now, uh, 
I'm your impression of the session. I mean, should I explain the set? I mean, the setup was both Bob Lee, Nels, Jimmy never heard any of this. It was all in my head. I wrote all the songs. Yeah. Or in my little, uh, where I play the bass into uh, the Pro Tool mm-hmm, mm-hmm. d- demo, I guess. <laughs> Idea, just Rough bass track. on there. And so, I mean, the situation of recording lends itself to this kind of experiment where you can just throw the tunes on the guys and see how they react in the moment and then capture it. I mean, typically with my bands, going back to Minutemen days, you you prack the prack pad and get them all down and then the recording thing is pertinent like a gig in front of microphones. Yeah, well, well, this is like, whoa. You just show it to them and then how they react. Now, right. this is the way I did Engine Room. So I knew about Nels, but I also know about Nels because of all the years of improvisation he's done and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Now, for Bob Lee, it was a new thing. He had never done a record like this, and he was very frightened. Yeah. But like Hodges told me way back when we did Engine Room, being a little bit... Afraid is like being a little bit excited. So it's probably don't worry, it's acid. Yeah. It's usually when you feel like you have a lot uh, of challenge in front of you and you want to deliver, and that's kind of the nervousness. It yeah, does. but I also think for Bob Lee, I'm guessing here because I'm not in his head, although there is, a, he did do a recording spiel. Did you see that? No. It's on the internet. Oh. Like yeah, I'll put a link blood. to it on my Hoot page where he actually writes a diary of the recording oh wow each day. I should write a diary and of the two there's days there's anxieties <laughs> in there and the same <laughs> ones he had voiced to me not knowing what it's going to be yeah, so yeah, that yeah. there it's not just the debt of delivering but the fear of the unknown you don't know what's going to come at him mm-hmm. but see I, that's what I'm counting on in a way mm-hmm. so he'll react and I'll get a certain kind of quality to this album that I can't with a pracked up record like when I do the Missing Men record after the Stooges tour I'll prac that with Raul and Tom mm-hmm. and then take it on tour and in fact I'm going to record it halfway so you want to see that when you're going to have fly to New York because I'm going to do a Tony Mamoni studio in Brooklyn Great. halfway in the tour I'll stop fly for a week <laughs> Just Greyhound Greyhound me awesome <laughs> I'll see you, you in a take week take your camera <laughs> No, you'll, you'll be a week before. We'll plan it. We'll, we'll arrive there on time. We won't be waiting. That's right. You are. You. Well, the laughs are much Sorry. bigger than the tiny voice. <laughs> but, um, yeah, my impression of the session being that it's pretty live, it's pretty present, and uh, I think you mentioned that. And uh, I've seen a lot of recording sessions uh, over the years, and this one is kind of less control, less instrument. It's not isolated. It's more. It was one room. Yeah, it's, it's in one room, and people are engaging and kind of working final details out until the last minute, and then just kind of go for it. And of course, you have Nell's improvised um, thing on top of of a steady. Um, rhythm yeah pretty much and uh, so maybe I, I had to explain a little more to Bob Lee 
Uh, no, I don't think so because, like you said, you know, you you know them and you know what they're going to react to your tunes. So, um, I was just kind of watching how it kind of come together amazingly with only a few takes and and uh, hardly any playbacks. That yeah. freaked Bob Lee out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can. I, I when you said about his nervousness, yeah, when, on day three, I did see a little bit of that when you were introducing the next tune kind of thing, and you kind of telling him what you want out of it, and then by day five, he's pretty much on it. You know, it's pretty much like w in with the program, throw it at me, I will get this down, and he did it. So it was kind of amazing to watch all that. And Jimmy, Jimmy, yes, he facilitated it pretty good. Huh? He never yeah. leaned on us. He never. Yeah, I, he's a very patient man. Yeah, I mentioned he was the young man. Mentioned that he is so thirty-four, cool. right? He's thirty-four. He's uh, the first time I met him was on that day, day three, and um, you know I've met a handful of engineers in the past that usually have preconceived ideas of how they want things to go. But control issues. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know they're running the actual control, but that doesn't mean they have to have ego over everyone. Yeah. He was pretty cool and just polite and kind of let things happen the way that I think is it was perfect for the project because that's kind of there was a certain strong theme already, you know. In a lot of ways, I think he was the fourth guy. Yeah, we were all keying on him in a way. And, and yeah, and, he's and like, he never bogarted. Uh, this has to be done this way. Yeah. This can do this, that. No. And his his suggestions are pretty polite and it's yeah. pretty uh, insightful. And he didn't step over any lines, and I mean, it's not really. Yeah, it was a really mellow thing, and I'm not like I, I don't put recording engineer into a certain level of expectation either. But he was completely yeah. It was a really good scene, and I think it was the right vibe for the whole for the whole theme of the project. So. And you know, one of the reasons I wanted you there was take pictures. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of hard to do while I'm recording. Yeah, and I hardly did. And I got, <laughs> I got what? No, but well, you I did the amazing uh, camera work with the movies. <laughs> I didn't get yelled at, but I pretty much got, <laughs> got. Well, I tell people I'd ruin a tune because you had to tell me to snap pictures, and I wasn't. Well, and one you, of those takes. And yeah, and you lost it. The last song. <laughs> yeah, that that was the one before I took the. The whole footage of the whole, what is that, 15 minutes worth of Which is on YouTube, yeah. I think we did three takes, and yeah. you got the third one. Yeah. And it had a long coda, and I extended jam with Nels on the guitar, and I just yeah. thought it would be interesting for people to see how yeah. this guy, because he works a lot of pedals. He brought 36 pedals yeah. to the gig. Pretty much he used it all. Yeah. And he brought a bunch of guitars, but it ended up mainly just using that 59 Jazzmaster Fender. Mm -hmm. Although one song he used one of Jimmy's Telecasters or uh, Esquire, actually not a real one. Uh -oh. I played right, really right, good right. and sounded good, and that's where Nell's got the television sound for uh, the Dick Lloyd thing for uh, messed up machine. In fact, at the gig, we did some banging gigs. Yeah, which one, San Diego or Long Beach? Well, you saw Long Beach. Yeah, well, in from, I, I saw and, the back uh, of heads of people in language. <laughs> yeah, and he wasn't loud enough there anyway. But the, actually, the Ocean you? Beach one, it wasn't San Diego's Ocean Beach, but it was very close. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, that was one of my favorite banging gigs ever. And it had all the recipe no, of a fucking nightmare. No, it really was really good. Yeah, but you And I told the sound man to put nails up, especially the second set. But we had to play two sets. That was a nightmare. Had to drive 120 miles by myself. As soon as I got there, I caught in the boat. And they beat mm-hmm. on the hatch right before. Mm-hmm. Had to go on. And it was weird for me. You know, driving down, I was crying and shit. What for? It had a lot. <laughs> I'm a sensitive man. For what? <laughs> oh, no. Let's so, let's hear it. <laughs> so, I had all the makings of a not going to be a fucked up gig. And I was have, very sur- surprised have, like, that it turned out to be one of the best gigs. I don't know. I fed them guys a lot of new bass lines. Is you requiring because of this thing about the gig or is it about other no, things? No, no, no. I was saying the things that go into like. said you know when you showed us that tune and you said uh th- this is a machine song let's call messed up machine mm-hmm. he said that you did not write a machine song i said no he said no you wrote a television song not the machine the band mm. richard hell tom verlaine okay that band from new york city don't know Never heard of them? No. They're like in the middle 70s. And, uh, I mean, Richard Hell quit before they put out their first album, but there's an album called Marquee Moon that's really big in the old punk scene. Although, when I remember when they first played L.A. at the Whiskey, and everybody was calling them hippies. I think Hip- it was Whiskey. Mm. Yeah, it was weird, hippies. Because they had longer songs and whatever. Mm. Hippie, hippie was bad word. Yeah. 
So anyway, th- that's what Nels told me. And, and see, this is the thing about it. You bring them out of your head. This is why it's a band mm-hmm. and not, even though, yeah, Mike Wide and this and that. In the way, I'm just instigator. Because once you let that ball roll, it, it has a life of its own. And that's what I'm, I'm looking for. And I, I'm into that. Yeah, so uh, am I. In a different context. I think all, all people who have adventure in mind are like that. Mm-hmm. They have a certain kind of confidence or a belief that mm-hmm. they can let go. So much, I think so much of socialization, a big platitude that's floated on that, is be in control or you're not getting over it. You know? Mm-hmm. But some things, especially a collaboration with an ensemble, musical ensemble where you're trying to make an interesting conversation out of it. Mm-hmm. And it and it is different than a gig. It's not going to go just into the air. It's going to be a work. And actually, at the end of the day, all that's realized is what comes out the speakers into people's ears. All this other knowledge, you know, how it was done, and was it prac or no prac? I mean, does right. that mean anything? Well, to some degrees, but, you know, if people don't get too caught up by that because some people tend to only focus on that and and not go to the next step you know what's the next step which is instead of consciously thinking about the step by step other people how other people do things um well I mean a lot of people like to talk about gear and just I noticed uh, Nels and Jimmy talk about them boxes a lot <laughs> didn't you well, some people talk about... And I never got on them for that because, you know, a little fetish is okay. Um, I just use my finger. Now, I, I, I used a big Thunderbird. I, what is, I used a big bass if you I'm want saying, to get into some fetish yeah. shit. I didn't use the little bass because <laughs> I think... A, I mean, it hurts my hands to play a bigger bass, but sitting down, I can have my hand close. It doesn't yeah. hurt. And with the, <clears> the bass being... Uh, Long wavelengths, the longer your string is closer to the fundamental, and you don't have to rely on overtones as much. And uh, also, Jimmy, when I, rec- I recorded with Jimmy once before, this is where I met him. Mm-hmm. It was that lady who won the game show. And he liked that blue bass. And I did the injury wound with that bass. Yeah. Mostly. Oh, that blue one, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty. Uh, um. 1966. Older than you? <laughs> Just uh, by a little. Um, no, but, uh, I'm saying this like, yeah, you could talk about gear and stuff because well, that's, that's, that's what and part I used of it. Uh, Eden uh, VT300 amp <laughs> to a 410 DX yeah. uh, D410 XTL uh, speaker box. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about before we're all in the same room, so stuff's bleeding all over. Yeah, yeah. Which also kind of like uh, puts a mandate on you better play together, right? Because you, <laughs> you can't really overdub and stuff. It's going to sound different because we're going over in each other's n- mics now. This Saturday, on the 19th, Nels is going to come in and add guitar. But can't replace. He's on the overhead mics on my uh, uh, bass mic. You know, my bass is over probably in the kick drum mics and shit yeah, like yeah. this. Especially the quieter songs. Yeah. Uh, but I, I wanted that, you know. I, a little bit of danger, a little bit. 
and we've been around we've been playing why not take chances like that a little bit you know and it's now it's just a lot for my midlife thing you know mm -hmm. uh, I was really trying to relate the experience I'm having being 50 with making a record it was a strange weird way because I never thought of that before yeah you know I never thought a lot of this shit before until I, I ended up here that's where I what do you mean like at this being middle aged <laughs> I never thought of, I mean when I was young I thought about old yeah don't want to be that I think but about I never it. thought about middle well, I think about it constantly and shit <laughs> women have the clock oh <laughs> the clock the clock <laughs> and, and society too puts a big heavy shit on uh, older women where they give guys a lot more slack Although guys don't feel it because they feel very competitive with the younger men, which is why heart attacks are very Common. prone to middle-aged men. Yeah, because they're still trying to compete with younger men. So even though society gives them a break, they don't mm -hmm. give themselves a break. And they have these big midlife crises. Well, it's kind of... It's it is just a theory. It's hard to separate between what you really want and what you society really wants because you take in a lot of other people's expectations into... Yeah, your you program with certain yourself. things. Yeah. And just think, you know, I've played the rules, I've done everything they asked, and you're in the middle of life, yeah. which means like, whoa, glass is half empty, <laughs> not half full. Yeah. And what's it all mean? And it's what's all this mean? Wash. What's everything mean? <laughs> and you, I don't th I think the momentum carrying you as a younger person, well, you're going to live forever, you know, this kind of thinking more, and, and there's no consequences, and who cares? Well, the younger person wish to have more experience to know how to do things, so it's kind of... That would be good. It's a loose And that's situation. the way I look back at things. I wouldn't go back because I like the experiences. Yeah. And I'm too afraid of having to go relearn that bullshit. Yeah. No way. Even with this more resilient body. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. But, I mean, and there's also... <coughs> cultures are set up to be... It's not like... It's just made up. I mean, this the so social uh, order is also um, in line with what na nature, you know, your body can only do so much for so long for so many things, and in the next stage of life, you you have a s different sets of things that you do with it, you know. So Act three. That's what Lee Ronaldo called it. Yeah. When I asked so, him about this. You have to just be conscious of who you are and what you are able to do and not kind of look too far forward or too far back because it's something you can't do anything about. <coughs> so. No, but... <laughs> I mean, yeah, and women is a little bit more obvious because the change is kind of drastic if you have kids or something. Your body That's really right. changed. So it's not like, you know, a social are putting pressure on you as much as... <coughs> no, but they want you to invest in the system early and don't have doubts. Don't hesitate. Well, that goes without... You know, but middle age, it catches up. And pe what happens is, I think people look in the mirror and say, fuck society, what <laughs> do I want? What does all this mean? But isn't that Which that, that should be from all the way. <coughs> Maybe, even as kids. Well, I was just thinking that's kind of Western idea to look into yourself and ask yourself what you want. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But they sell this uh, materialism uh, linked to individuality and expression, and, and that's 
in, in, in uh, maybe they turn east and they think, "What is the spirit of it all?" And the east because I've accumulated west. all this material. <laughs> yeah, and I spent my whole life. I'm yeah. in the middle now, yeah. and, and and the mortgage and the the car and this and that and that. And now, what's it all mean? Yeah, and it's sometimes it's a freak out. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's a little bit more kind of Western idea. Maybe it should be a freak not, out, though. It's not very... Maybe it should be a freak out. Because no, these things be. aren't... Yeah, because I don't know if society... You know, a lot of things might happen just out of weird uh, accident or mm -hmm. a weird habit. Mm -hmm. might not be so thought out. It might be not be all total correct, uh, control mechanism from bosses. And uh, there's also just the duality of the individual mm -hmm. and the group yeah the herd well yeah i think the confusion comes That's in with the globalization and but maybe the confusion's good because well, yeah. these things aren't settled well, the, obviously the human condition has a, a set up a lot of problems for itself well i i don't go so hard to say good it's just it's too quantifying it just is <laughs> no, but it's good. They have to deal with it, and they might come up with better solutions. Well, well so you would think that it would be a better solution. It's just kind of evolving into its own thing. You know what I mean? Isn't it? It could be as good as it is bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's consequences. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I, what would be good? More freedom. Well, see, more freedom. Not necessarily. Not necessarily going to be good. Right? On an individual level, more yeah, freedom, more the, liberty. No, that's just, a bad thing. It could be. Because, like, imagine to the extent that people get to do what exactly they want to, to free, do. To be free to be racist. And they'd be free to not do a lot of things that needs to be done in society. You know what I mean? Then, then a lot of work are not going to get done. Yeah. So Unless like, you're forced into it. Yeah. So it's like a certain inequality. A is, strong father. Is, <laughs> it exists so shit can get done in a certain way. And some people will have it less. Some what about an inspiring more. father? Versus the strong. I don't, I don't understand. A hand. The like, stern. Like what? Like You're the, inspired mm -hmm. somebody instead of them telling you. Oh. Now, I've, I've learned about these skills about being a band leader. Mm -hmm. It's your band. You can tell them what to do, but you don't always get the best performance. It's better right. to acquire uh, art uh, skills at the art of inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, they don't feel beat down. Well, that idea you know, is completely foreign to me. <laughs> beatings will continue yeah. until morale improves. But or there's another thing where you somehow, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite a skill. And yeah, it's always changes with the people that you're dealing with. Of course. But it's, but see, I think it's got a lot more well, uh, well, finesse and, and gradations than just laying down the law and saying this has to be done. Right, but see, with that, but now with my experience watching you dealing with different groups of bands that you're involved with, sometimes you have to be one, sometimes you have to be the other, and most of the time you have to be both. <laughs> you have to be inspiring and authoritative. I because shit the phone. Here, it, keep talking. Oh, let's see. Um, explain yourself. Explain myself. Is um, let me see if I can get my thoughts together. Um, yeah. With uh, with you leading a band. Doing the radio show. Right I think the other band members are so sometimes are more rowdy than another. Yeah, and you're just gonna have to lay the rule. I'm not naming names, but some people need to be told that you need to get back in the van immediately <laughs> or else 
So, I mean, asking five times didn't work. You're just going to have to tell them the rules. And it's, you know, it's, I'm just saying that. Yeah, but haven't I been lucky to play with guys that don't need that much? No, I'm saying, like, it, inspiring would work perfectly if the people who are involved are aware about themselves enough, about the program, about the main objective. With You know, you kind well, of put a trust I, with them. Yeah, if I, to, if I set the situation up, which would make it kind of apparent, which would probably... Yeah, that's kind of uh, would, nice uh, to be. be uh, positive and conducive to the, making things happen. And then they made the choice. Right. See? Yeah. I said, well, what is to be done? Here's mm-hmm. what it ha- uh, looks like is uh, challenging us. Mm-hmm. See? But, yeah, especially coming from military background and stuff, I don't... I sometimes fall way short of that and just holler at them. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Because I've seen, <laughs> I've seen you being both. <laughs> but I want that other way to kind of shrink and go away and be no. past. Well, I'm just, I think it take. I I personally take comfort knowing that you could do the yelling <laughs> because I am like kind of passive, and a lot of time. In my own experience, I need to get a lot of things done, and I have a problem. Yeah, but you don't work in ensemble situations so much. I, I know, but yeah, you're more like Raymond, where you have to. No, I work with people that you know work under me, and I need to tell them what to do and tell them what's up. But I don't have. No, I was talking more about your photography. See your camera, your vision. Right, right. But I'm talking yeah. about my my job oh. that I have. People that I need them to do things <laughs> right, right. and and a lot of time they don't and they have all kinds of reason why they can't and I wish I'm a little bit more stern I wish I had that that authoritative um, spiel <laughs> and just kind of like this is how it needs to be just get your ass together shit needs to get done and I don't when have I want that. your opinion I'll beat it out of you okay <laughs> right see I want I need that so that's why I I'm in, oh, oh, so. okay, so I'm inspired by right. your authoritative <laughs> manner. Fa- fascistic uh, aspirations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want that. <laughs> That's great. The things need I to get done. I want to grow done. up to be Stalin. Yeah, well, okay. see, I, I'm telling you, I'm growing up to be like you in a lot of ways, so <laughs> this is another thing I can look forward to. I'm going to. down. <laughs> so I want to be a libertine more. Well, you're going into winter hibernation. No, I'm in fall. Yeah, but... That's where you're heading towards. <laughs> I know, but like I said, the concept is in my head, you know. Mm-hmm. You people will find out when it's done, and then you can judge my work. But yeah. At the same time, it is an ensemble. It is a coming together. It's not all in my head. Yeah. You know, which is an interesting thing. I mean, just being a bass player in organizing the, the music it's it's coming from a kind of different than most most songs are written on pianos and guitars yeah they're not written right. on basses true it's almost like writing a song on kick drum or cymbals you know? <laughs> you're asking the guys to just fill in you know but yeah. I learned how to do it with D Boone and you know I grew up playing with him and the connection with us was very natural because learning together but now it's Klein, probably the closest guy to D Boone on that level where I can just play for him. Yeah. 
and and Bob Lee was afraid of it in, <laughs> in a way but uh, I thought he rose to the occasion yeah. I thought he did great yeah he did and uh, it was that kind of record I wanted to make uh, authority issues and all that crap <laughs> I mean those guys give you so much respect you know mm-hmm. part of you're talking about in the moment how you deal with it mm-hmm. but I think and this is probably something you're not in control of at work part of the uh, attempt at solution mm-hmm. is who you get together in the first place right yeah where you have to deal with what is there I got to pick the guys and I picked these guys for certain reasons right because they were conducive to this kind of trip right. in fact all my bands right. I mean there's a there's amount of luck because I can only pick from people I've met so I've been very lucky <laughs> to meet people and with all our, my bands and with our, again argue that it has nothing to do with luck <laughs> yeah because you say I play a certain way and that attracts people yeah of like mind But if I lived in uh, Earl, Arkansas, yeah, the pool well, might be a little smaller. There's a reason why you don't live there. <laughs> the Vietnam War. <laughs> right? That's how I got here. Yeah. I don't know if that's the greatest, you know, way to put together a band. Yeah, not in Arkansas. No. No, or, or uh, like, <laughs> I'm going to go where my father's stationed. I mean, I had to. I was a boy. Yeah. You're leaving Virginia. Yeah, Earl, Arkansas is where my great-grandfather's from. I, w- I finally went to it. Yeah? When recently? You know, I've passed it a lot. Many tours I've passed it. I've yeah. always been afraid to go into it. Yeah, when I did that trip in uh, October. Yeah, okay. I, went, I, with, I stopped. I went with the Stooges? The I played with the Stooges in Las Vegas. That was like at the end of it. I okay. drove around the United States and I went to Earl, Arkansas. Yeah, what, you just went to take a road trip? Is that what happened? Yeah, it was a you know like a tour without kicks. Yeah, that's... I got heavy calluses on. I knew, I knew Not you on the tips of my fingers, but I anyway, I, had, I st- stopped in I had Earl. An email or something about you just driving and stuff. Yeah, you know, seventy-eight, like, seventy-eight hundred and five miles. We. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. We get we're getting off the thing here. It's, it's supposed to be talking about this record. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I could talk about myself <laughs> to no end, but <laughs> you were there. Yeah. And you should tell them a little bit more about how it went down. Oh, I did, I, did I say all that stuff? You were there for what, five songs, six songs? I think we mentioned so that. So almost half of it. We did 12 songs. No, I only saw a few, a few songs. I think it was three each day. Because I, w- I wasn't there all whole day Thursday. I that's right. That's right. Only there at night. What was it Thursday? Yeah. I was only there like a couple of hours. Yeah, at yeah. Most. So maybe four songs. Yeah. No, actually, it was one song on the last on the third. Thir- on Thursday, and then Thursday. three. I know Saturday was three songs. Yeah, but I was only in the tail end of this, so uh, only a couple of songs basically. Oh yeah. Because on okay. Thursday you were still working out on the song that you were going to recording Friday, and that's. Ended up not having to do it. Okay. Friday, right? Yeah, I don't know what went down Friday. Or maybe that was Saturday. One of them we thought, oh man, we don't have it, and then when we came in and heard it in the morning, it was like, that was oh, actual see. one where we heard a playback. Yeah. So yes, yeah, it's good enough. Let's yeah. don't go for it anymore. Yeah. Okay, I heard that. I have a tour diary too. Uh, I'm not a tour diarist. A recording diary. Okay, that, so right. you can check that. Hoot page. Uh, my memory ain't so good on it. But 
Just uh, say what you saw of those songs. What I saw? Uh, um, I don't know what else I can expand upon it, but I was... Um, the, on Thursday, I mostly was in the control room looking in into uh, the work in progress in the recording uh, through the window there. And uh, just kind of talk with Jimmy and, you know, get to know how his take on the whole thing was. And that was cool. And, and what was that? What was that? Because I, I didn't hear that. Of course you didn't. <laughs> so I was in the other room. Yeah. Um, well, he kind of explained to me what his impression was. You know, kind of, you, you have, have everything kind of um, written out and planned out. So it's just a matter of going through step by step. And that's what was going on at that time. Um, because I, I'm not told. Like, like a lot of things that jump in on what you're doing is that you you don't really tell me <laughs> what the hell is going on or the concept or the whatever you know the program even autumn <laughs> it's autumn and on the, on Saturday um, I got to be in the recording room with the um, you, you got to be above us yeah I get to climb in my skirt <laughs> onto this. Um, I guess shelf. it's storage shelf area because uh, Mike was directing this chart of overhead where you can see everyone. and um, That's why I wanted. I wanted shots where we could get all of us. Yeah. My camera didn't have a wide enough lens, but That's maybe yours right. did. Yeah. See, that'd be great. Yeah. Because uh, the room was small enough where we're all playing almost like a gig. But I mean, we're facing each other, so we're not facing a crowd. But I'm, sorry. I'm sitting in a chair. Nails has a little area yeah. to dance with his to pedals. Your left. Yeah, and then starboard is Bob Lee with his drum set. Way across from you. Mm-hmm. So we all could maintain eye contact with us really right. easy and even talk with each other. In which, that's how the picture that um, I come around to it would be a picture on top of your heads, in which you didn't want. <laughs> what about outfits? The outfit. <laughs> What, you and your djembe? <laughs> or the djembe every day yeah. of the record. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. It's very comfortable. It's kind of, Studios don't have windows. Yeah, except the glass. Oh, between the control room and the yeah. recording room. But they don't go to the outside. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to. Right, right. With all this going so on around you. So it can be sweaty. Yeah. It, it can be sweaty, so... Uh, also, it was a uh, totem. You know where totem? Totem. An object that's a symbol? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The totem pole and totem stuff. Luck. Okay. Or sacred. Charm. More like sacred because they or huge. sacred. <laughs> Usually. Just something you hope helps that isn't so rational. <laughs> right? Yeah. So right. what my, about my it? My favorite uh, is it shoes. Or, I wore setas. Is it your djembe was supposed to be? I thought the djembe would help me. Okay. <laughs> I thought it would help me relax. For sure, it was very comfortable. Yeah. Man, it's not a bathrobe. People don't... <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bathrobe. <laughs> and uh, I think Nails had a few different outfits. Sometimes a button shirt, sometimes a t-shirt. Yeah, but, yeah. Bob Lee was t-shirt. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know the pants. I don't think I... No, it was wore Levi. One, one time he wore very high water. I think middle of the calf. I, I don't know. You Maybe. don't pay attention to that? No. Only boys do that. Only boys do. <laughs> Especially you I think boys. Jimmy, well, we, the, the record's got two jigs. I thought that there should be a dance element to the record, so really? I put two jigs on there. Jigs? And so a jig? jig is like an Irish dance. Actually, when Shakespeare put on his plays, it was convention that no matter what the play was, it could be the most deep, sad tragedy. And at the end, all the actors would come out and do these little fast dance and sing b- body, mm-hmm. dirty songs, mm-hmm. and that was called the jig. But usually it's a fast little dance. And yeah. Pirates do it, gypsies. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't know it. <laughs> it's like completely it's foreign a jig. to me. It's a little fast, quick, quick dance. <laughs> yeah, the tie dancing, the, the eyeballs, huh? There's something, no, I guess, in the traditional. That's Indonesian. Is that more Bali? Yeah. yeah. Okay. The Let's eyes. do it all slow. Yeah, but the eyes. Yeah. I think that has to do with, I think, the Indian influence, probably. Yeah. Because they, the have, they have a thing, a thing with the eyes, yeah. yeah they all have really huge eyes. Yeah. I mean, I like, you know, us. Chinese looking people up north north right. there <laughs> but they opened them very wide <laughs> it's really intense it's it's different maybe as different as jigs are to you but anyway I have two jigs <laughs> on there so the last day I know Jimmy wore a Guinness shirt <laughs> oh really I didn't notice yeah. that I need to pay more attention to these things so I can have a conversation with you uh, who wore what <laughs> yeah well that's why you were uh, asked to be on the show yeah <laughs> Uh, um, and oh. I think we're running out of uh, time for the the first hour. Yeah, I'll talk. Oh, we got we got a, a few more minutes. Um, yeah, it is all talk, but you know, <laughs> that, 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 the record was a big event in a way. I've been thinking about it. It came to me in September as summer was ending. It was like, and then also the realization that. Nails ain't always available. This <laughs> window's opportunity can be tiny. He ones. is getting more and more. So I actually want to do this Black Gang a record after the Missing Men, which is the third opera, because I wrote that before. Missing Men w- was done last year. No, it's going to be done after the Stooges tour. I had oh. to put them out of order. Ah. But in September, I realized I got I, I want to do this fall record. Mm-hmm. I want my re- next record is going to be mm-hmm. out fall, mm-hmm. and I want to do this before the solstice. Mm-hmm. And it all came to me. I, I wrote it all up like that. Yeah. Actually, some of it came last spring. Right. Okay. And it ends up I record it in the spring because of you know the sicknesses and hurts. But they're both uh, uh, equi- equinox things. In between. Okay. The summer and the winter is the high and the low of the sun. So in betweens are the equinox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Equidistant. Okay. I think that's where the word comes from. So it's okay. I mean, it kind of worked out the way it did. I like that better than society deciding how things work out. Just you set up situations and random events come in, and even with your great big plans, you're loose enough on them to let the way of the world. Uh, 
grow them. Yeah. Incubate them. Well, it's exactly it goes Rather back to this. Yeah, it's like it's exactly goes back to the same duality. Whether you're gonna be insp- <laughs> inspired for things to happen, or you have to control it to make it happen. So. Yeah, maybe a little both. Yeah. Got to get the ball rolling. Yeah. Did I get Nels and Bob Lee Pearl a certain way? They had yeah. to have these songs from Watt. Yeah. Because if Nels wrote them, yeah. Of course, they'd be different if Bob Lee wrote them. Mm-hmm. But then, there, there's no way they're realized. But in a way, I look back on how I was thinking of them and what those guys did exactly. to my ideas grew bigger than I would have ever imagined. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm limited by my own experiences. Right. That's what's the beauty of bringing the other humans in. Yeah. And, and your impression of other people is still only reflecting your own um, experiences. So when other people like Nels and Bob Lee come in, they actually push it further with the specific guidance that you gave them. And yeah. I, I think I, you know, I witnessed all that and it's really grateful that I was there. Uh, it felt, it felt pretty, pretty, um, chilling and comfortable, but yet significant. So, it was kind of my take on it. <laughs> now, when you hear the final thing, it will surprise you. Yeah, I am looking forward to be surprised. <laughs> and both Bob Lee and Nels, well, Nels knows because of the engine room and stuff. He, yeah. he had no idea it was going to sound like that. Really? Yeah, even though he's a big piece of it. Yeah. But I think that's kind of, in movie situations, it's like that. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're shoot, shooting scenes and you don't really know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. until you watch that thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why you have, I think, uh, different people doing it because some people have to have perspective. Right. And, and other old- people have to be in the minutia of the moment. But then it's only people that you trust that they will bring something to Yeah, it. yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, symphony, great performers, but then the conductor has the big picture. Right. And they need each other. Yeah. They but need each other. That's one extreme of, of it, yeah. Extreme, it's kind of close. It's music. Probably a little closer to the movie analogy. <laughs> But the same thing is that the, the guys involved, like Bob Lee and Nell, yeah. so close to it, it, it's hard for them to know. Also, they can't look in my head. <laughs> but then I also couldn't I see no how they were going to react. <laughs> I didn't see how they were going to react. So it's change on change on change. And yeah. It's an interesting process. Yeah. And here's Jimmy, who's the outsider to all of us. You know. It's kind of like but at the same time, he's the one responsible for capturing it. Yeah, he's the glue. Yeah, it's to, he's the documenter. Yeah, because all that stuff could be lost if he wasn't competent. Mm. So all important people, just in different levels of the experience, mm-hmm. but they're all essential, you know. And I don't really put one above the other. Not a real hierarchy to it. It's just this is what I, I needed. Yeah, what to do, and. Well, I'm very grateful for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very, they're very generous. A lot of people. Well, I've just seen a lot of situations where it's not like that. You know. Yeah. Again, that's why I consider myself very lucky. So, it was a big weight off my shoulder come Saturday night when it got done. Yeah, wow. it got done early. It's my understanding is. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have to go all the way to nighttime. Yeah, it was done around 7 or something. Yeah. It was still light out. Which is good because uh, 
It's lame to have to play tired. <laughs> Fuck. Especially if it's going to last forever. Yeah. Okay. End of the first hour of the Waffle Pedro Show, April 13th, 2008 edition. No type for hour two. April 13th, 2008. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
from Pedro show uh, start off the second hour with uh, Liberation 6 by Yuka Honda love her yeah uh, what do you thinking of Liberation what do you, what's your ideas on what's happening in Tibet right now oh my goodness I, I, I don't even I know I, you know I don't have the specific details and statistics but it's like a really sad scene and it's um mm-hmm. It's not something new, you know, it's been going on for decades. And this whole China influence thing in the region. And um, I'm speaking also about Burma, because like, somehow that issue is close to my heart. And that is not resolved. Chinese, That's neighbor to Thai. Yeah, and uh, the Chinese having, they're not having the, um, the direct control, but they are supplying the Burmese military with, you know, weapons, support. So that was strike one last year, and now the Tibet thing is going on. It's horrific, and uh, I don't really know what the solution is, but I think they need to lay off of that and the whole Olympic Olympics thing. I support all sports, you know, and I think that can be fairly played. Because you do kickboxing. <laughs> Yeah, but... Extreme um, fighting. Extreme fighting is not in the Olympics. Um, not yet. You think so? I, it might. <laughs> but you don't think it should be used 
as a vehicle for protest? Well, no, no. But Are you torn? I'm not torn but the, as much as I think people need to be more informed in general all over the world, and there is no other platform in in uh, the global level right now than the Olympics, which is kind of, you know, everybody is kind of in it. Like, every country, pretty much, is in it. And I think, like, it, it could be used as a vehicle to bridge understanding. And that's my whole thing, is just, like, for people to be aware of what's going on. It's not to embarrass China? Um... Because obviously it's their showpiece. Yeah, and they have done a lot of disservice to their own people. Not that they've done <laughs> much to liberate them, their own people before, but uh, to just prepare this whole Olympic itself. And you know, I, I just, I just don't agree about a lot of ways that the Chinese government is going about their ways um, for the last fifty years. <laughs> Also, um, what can the Dalai Lama do? No, nothing. I mean, in his position, he can't do anything really to to be radical. Because in his position, if you understand Buddhism, is not for you to actually take action or lead a political movement. Because in, as a Buddhist leader, you leading is is about being away from material matter, even it's a country uh, origin history, that is still a material matter, you know, you don't want to attach yourself to the the, the the kind of a reality of of the world you want Maya <laughs> the Maya, but it, you more want to lift people spiritually and, you know, it's like a two different things, so but, but being that he is a human, so he is frustrated about about you know the the whole culture being sort of pressed upon and uh, almost systematic systematically erased, and that's kind of upsetting, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty passionate about this issue, but I really don't know what can I say to make a difference, you know, or what solution that that to be had. Chase the torch. Or just put out the torches. <laughs> Every country so far is like yeah. I think I like that. Yeah. You know, just make, just yeah, make an issue known. It's like, and um, I heard something interestingly enough that the whole torch parade thing it started with the Nazi. So look into the history of that before you go. Oh, you know, the torch has nothing to do with politics. Like look to the look into the history of that one. Yeah. Well, the Olympic torch goes back a couple thousand years. Yeah, but the parading. Yeah. yeah. So. Kind of scary. Mm -hmm. Humans in horde being crazy. Yeah, but I mean, that's burning you crosses. Can, you can always count on humans to be is always like freaking to crazy. <laughs> Deliver the uh, lowest expectation. <laughs> Especially when the many of them together. We kind of end up with that as a result. Okay, uh, after that we heard uh, Thursday, Wednesday, 12.30 a.m. by uh, Motoko Honda, who Dose is going to play with on the 27th. Really? Yeah. Some KXLU thing, downtown L.A., Charlie O's. Oh, I'm so there. Of experimental music. I think. And we were asked to be part of it, which is righteous knowing that Dose is considered experimental. 
<laughs> where we look at is just oh, two wait. bass guitars. Uh-huh. Wait, is it Yuga Honda is in that? No. No, no. That's just the first A Motoko song. Honda. Ah. Same last name. No, it was just that you... This lady plays prepared piano okay. in an improvisational setting with her people, her gang. Because I, I, I'm sorry, I thought of that because you Yuka was d- producing or is doing something with those. She's mixing the next album. Yeah. And she also does gigs where she improvises. Wow, like I love She told to me see about that. some gigs with Fred Frith. She's in New York, right? Yeah. Just got back. She's mm. in Japan for a couple weeks. And she's starting to mix the Dose album. Wow, that's got to be something. And after that, we heard uh, Keiko Edo with uh, Kumoto Minyu medley, and then Cicada by DJ Yachi. Mm-hmm. And we got Japanese Ketsu teams going here. Ago by Position Normal. They're from England. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and then I think a Bay Area band called Toykestra did Shirley's Temple. And Toykestra, oh, they use toys. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Righteous. They I make music with little that. toy from you, I think. Toy instruments. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty amazing. Tomorrow I go to San Francisco. Kind of on a recording tear. And uh, what is this project? Yeah, Eric McFad. Well, I play oh, with yeah. Banyan Tuesday night. Nels can't do it because Nels is recording an album down here. Yeah, his own. Right, his own. Well, it's today he's in studio for his Right, for the next four or five days. And that's why he couldn't do the banging gig. So replacing him on Guitar Tuesday mm-hmm. will be Eric McFadden. Uh, <laughs> guy from Albuquerque, but he's lived in Bay Area a long time. Yeah. Amazing guitars. Met him through Nels. He's pretty amazing. And he's going to... He asked me to record with him. Mm-hmm. Even with his bass player, replacing upright. Yeah, he's funny. So it's going to be two basses. Oh, did he yeah, talk to you really about good. that the last time he came to town? In in Vanyan gig was Nell's birthday show. Oh Remember? wow! Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah they the both came at, at the mint. That's yeah. where he asked me to record with him. Yeah. So I'm going to record with him tomorrow. Play with him Tuesday night. But between the sound check Tuesday and the gig, mm-hmm. uh, the Touchton brothers from Mobile. Well, they live in the Bay Area now too. They have a band called X. XRX. Yeah, we played. And they have a side. Before. You remember Dose played at the Smell with them. Yeah, yeah. And a uh, very in- animated, intense band. But they have a side project called Kit, and they asked me to play bass. Wow. So I'm going to record four songs with them in the space between the sound check and the... Uh, <laughs> Where? Are you just going to whisk Bay. away? There's a studio in Oakland. Yeah, they're going to come get me. For like two hours? Uh-huh. And then bring me back, and I'll play the gig. So You are so all over the place. I and of course, I with was. the Pro Tools at home, I've been doing a lot of based on other people's music they send me through the internet songs and then one for me yeah <laughs> but I did that all myself yeah <laughs> that's bass on bass for uh, my favorite things yes yes and I'm just gonna do something the sound of music it. yeah. <laughs> it's not John Coltrane but he he does the most famous version yeah and I played bass over it and But this is stuff unknown. Which is cool, by the way, I, because that was like the, my um, growing up in Thailand. That was one movie that was being played over and over it in my household. Movie. <laughs> Julie Andrews. I love that mi- movie. Yeah. As Nazis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it, they were running away from it, so sorry. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Um, This is stuff where people send me 
music and then I come up with basses. Yeah. In fact, I just got two songs from Sam Duke yesterday. Mm-hmm. And very interesting because you don't know what it is going to be. <laughs> uh, a couple weeks ago, I played to uh, power book music. You know, power book music. Yeah, yeah, no real instruments. Oh right, right. Just, just pewter. Pewter sounds. Speaking of that stuff, um, uh, I think Nails probably mentioned enough time, but chaosolator is the buzzword of the month. You, he told you about that thing, right? No. It's insane. It's like this little device that that um, it's about a size of the palm of your hand um, or, or your whole hand, and it has a pa- pad in the middle, and you can um, do um, programming like sequence and and loop all in one with different sounds and instrument. That is a mesmerizer. You can oh, <laughs> wow. you probably can pick one up and just. Plug it up to your yeah, app but, you and, know, and I've got software, the I sequencers to, to to do make synthesizers, but I haven't really used it. To, it seems the bass is just so challenging to me. Yeah, there's too much explore with that. So, oh, you're just not into. I'll put. <laughs> well, I'll just dilute the focus. Right now, I just got to keep getting on the bass. Yeah, that's. Awesome. I think it's important. I think it's important to do both realms, the mm-hmm. moment, and then yeah. uh, creating stuff for posterity. Yeah, you can't get carried away with either too far, or right. you kind of cheat the other one. It's right. this weird kind of coexistent thing. Yeah. So, um, did you brought some music, right? Yeah, I. Well, what first I would like to instigate Devin Hoff. Oh yeah, he's got a solo record. Devin was at the gig in Long Beach. Devin Hoff because he was uh, recording. Devin Hoff is the bass player for Dell's Klein Singers. Yes. And my best buddy. <laughs> and he has a uh, solo project where it's just him on the stand-up bass. Yeah, and I, it's amazing. amazing. This guy is he Played on my phenomenal. 50th birthday. Yeah, and uh, he's the most awesome guy I've met lately. Um, I got to have a good talk with him after the gig Thursday. Yeah, he's also gave me a tune, which is... So I'll play that right now. Thank you. 
Watt from Pedro Show. That was Black and White by Light, something brand new. Their album uh, Fantasia is coming out soon, uh, May 21st. And May 10th, I go to Japan, to Tokyo, for a week to record uh, with Mr. Shimi And that's four days after you go to the Rush concert. Yeah, me. Uh, right. I'm gonna see <laughs> That's Rush. important. Last time I saw them was in late '70s with Tony Platt. So that'll be interesting. Yes. Uh, but anyway, I get to do a light a gig with Light, and yeah. another version of Brother Sister's Daughter. Sam Benet on drums, but uh, Jim O'Rourke on guitar, Mr. Shimmy on guitar. In Tokyo. With Light, yeah, on the 15th of May. And you're going for at a- Mars in the Shinjuku part of Tokyo. Oh wow! But That's mainly, I'm going there to record 53 songs. Oh. Mr. Shunim is Yuko. Spiels from Richard Meltzer, he wrote, he gave me a bunch of little poems. Okay. And we're making music behind him. So we got to do oh. 18 songs a day. Oh. No, four. Four days. So four into f- 53 is what? One, th- it's 13 songs a day. But we'll do it. They're, they're incredible musicians. And you, how long will you be there? One week. One week. And then I come back and Stooges Tour starts... Touring mm-hmm. for the summer starts uh, May 30th, Madrid. Okay, before uh, light, we had uh, Stefano Paglia with, uh, or Paglia. It's Italian, not Spanish. Mm-hmm. Stefano's a beautiful man, and he uh, uh, does experimental music. I met him touring with uh, Second Man when I toured mm-hmm. the Second Opera, Second Man's Mill Stand. In Italy, mm-hmm. I did six gigs in Italy, and Stefano was with us for all of them. When was that? And he's his own, uh, 2004. Okay. He's a, his own a musician in his own right, but uh, he's got a band called Three Quarters had been eliminated. Is that name <laughs> for a band? <laughs> and and several units he's part of, and they're all very adventurous, and uh-huh. he's just great. A big wow. uh, uh, Stefano Paglia is a hero from Genoa, but uh, lives in Bologna. Uh, and that song was Question. And then before that, we had a band from China called Nakoma and a song called Mongolian Blues. Yeah. And we started off uh, with The Torch by Devin Hoff, solo bass. Devin! Beautiful man. Awesome person. Uh, we're at the end of the second hour, the Watt from Pedro show, April 13, 2008 edition. Hold tight for hour three. April 13th, 2008, it's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show, and here's part six of Jack Flanders in Dreams of India. Don't tell me that room has disappeared, though. I hate when that happens. Oh, wait. I was turned around. Here it is. I was I turned around. First-class shadows here. Boy, the drapes, the carpets, the cushions, the sofa. It's like an old set from from the Arabian Nights. What did you expect to find, Mr. Flanders? Just what I see, I guess. Okay, Lamp, there. Hey, hey, don't, don't flicker out on me. My imagination's doing fine without your help, thanks. I'll just... I'll just sit for a while. Oh, 
want to sleep here. Hmm. There's nothing. But there's something. Something in the corner. Up near the ceiling. sitting here? The lantern's floating in the air. <clears throat> My heart has spread its sails to the idle winds for the shadowy island of anywhere. The night kisses the fading day whispering to his ear. That's my voice. I am death, your mother. I am to give you fresh birth. Right. Body or nobody. Let's get out of here. It was your voice? <laughs> I'd recognize it anywhere. How can you laugh about this? Well, to be honest, I was scared witless. How did you run if you didn't have a body, Jack? Well, you'll find that you can run a lot faster. <laughs> no, seriously. I don't know. My body just sort of joined me as I was running down the hill. Ah, oh, so the palace is haunted. Not by a ghost. I don't know what it is, but it does have a sense of humor. You think I'm nuts, don't no, you? No, no, not at all. Why are you looking at me like that? Oh, I want to tell you something that I've... I've never shared with anyone. Well, anyone except my aunt. 
Go on. Once, when I was younger, it... I think it... I, I must have been in my teens. I was here visiting my aunt, and I heard music coming from the palace. Now, my aunt had never permitted me to go up there. But with this music, it was so unbelievably sweet, you know, so, so sensual, really. I just felt, I felt lured to go in. It was, it was dusk, just, just growing dark outside, but it wasn't dark inside. And the music led me to the very same room that you were in. And that room was so lush. So, you know, the, the Persian carpets, the, the silk drapery, and, and very, very soft cushions. I just felt like lying down and sleeping. Now, when I woke, there was a man with a white turban sitting next to me stroking my legs it, it felt so it tingled he was smiling at me and I could see he wanted to make love to me now even though I knew he wasn't of this earth I said what if I get pregnant he, he laughed and, and said it simply wasn't possible. I wanted so badly to give myself to him. But I was just too afraid. And then he gave up. He said, you're not ready. And I wanted to say, wait, come back. I, I've changed my mind. But he just vanished. And when I told my aunt, oh, she was very disturbed, so angry. Not just angry at me, but at him. At it. She made me promise over and over never to set foot in that house again. Never, ever, ever. Well, didn't she question that, that maybe you had dreamed it? No. So she knew what it was. Oh, yes. Do you think the same thing happened to her when she was young? I'm certain it did. Ooh. Do you think she allowed herself to be seduced? Mm, I don't know. Seduced by an entity that... that doesn't exist physically. Hmm. Vision, 
抜きなジョーちゃん、ジョーミシーダ、ジョーシキワ、ショーミミカ、で向こうとしたバブル入社、つぼねに聞いた、のしりのシーダ、アッシュフリーダ、盛んに聞いた、猫がうるせえラブルセラでも俺ではみ出たティーバック、あの人したことが発したない反省、それより今夜ドクターごこのメイクにせい、出しとかなきゃスピンはどうせどんどりのせい、クラブだからランジリとかマツキを乗せ。Is now closely fit with the chatter of the old fart inside. An assortment of observations took place. Mama licked her lips like a cat, pecked the ground like a rooster, pivoted like a duck. Her stockings down caught dust and dough balls. She cracked her mouth, glazed, caught one eyelash, rubbed her hands on her gorgeous gingham. Her hands grasped sticky metal, intricate latchwork, open to the room. Ugh, smell cold mixed with bologna. Rubber bands, crumpled wax paper bonnets, fat goose legs, and special jellies, ignited by the warmth of the room. The old fart smelled this through his important breather holes. Cleverly, he dialed from within. From the outside, we observed that the nose of the wooden mask, where the holes had just been a moment ago, was now smooth, amazingly blended, camouflaged in with the very intricate rainbow trout replica. The old fart inside was now breathing freely from his perfume bottle atomizer air bulb invention. His excited eyes from within the dark interior glazed, watered in appreciation. Of his thoughtful preparation. Oh man, it's so heavy.
です息もできないくらいに欲しいんだよもう我慢はできない
tears.
money's more than an autograph. A painting's more real than a photograph. To sum it up in less than one paragraph, let this then be my epitaph. I'm gonna beat on my guitar like an idiot. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. And I don't think that I'll ever fit in the 21st century. You see, I never learned the value of a dollar. But I've always known the value of a friend. A friend's someone you want to keep forever. And a dollar's just a paper that you spend. So I beat on my guitar like an idiot. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. And I don't think that I'll ever fit in the 21st century. guitar like an idiot it's the only thing that makes sense to me and I don't think that I'll ever fit in the 21st century so I beat on my guitar like an idiot it's the only thing that makes sense to me and man I don't think that I'll ever fit in the 21st century Wife Pedro show started off with this third hour with sorry for the stumble bum talk uh, part six of Jack Flanders and Dreams of India and Miss Peak here is going to get very schooled in Jack Flanders and tell us all about <laughs> next time she's on she'll give you her whole critique on the 37 years <laughs> that they've been making them my movies <laughs> and uh, followed that up with a cover of a Leonard Cohen song Song of, I- song of Isaac by Sam Duke then Cat Fight by Rumi do you know about Rumi? Mm-mm. well I don't know about this band but Rumi was actually a poet a Sufi poet from uh, six, seven hundred years ago oh. a static where like kind of a mystic uh, Muslim thing where uh, you drink it and stuff yeah. There's Buddha. Muslims there's traditions. <laughs> I know, but there's traditions of Buddhist poems, po- uh, monks too, like this. They got buzzed and shit. Whoa. Yeah, not always ascetic. Now, uh, what's his name? The drummer Bennett Martin, mm-hmm. drummer friend of mine, who became a Zen. That trip, maybe a priest, I think. Even he wow. told me there's certain monks they look up to from hundreds of years ago that. <laughs> Oh. Not the most uh, yeah. sober people. Yeah. So yeah. Th- they have the it in Chinese. their they have it in their tradition, and even with Christians, you know, yeah. Trappist monks make the real strong Belgian beer. Oh right. right so. I heard about that. So you know what I mean. Straight they, edge. They didn't drink, no, did they? 
I don't know. Maybe somebody. <laughs> somebody got to taste. It. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> uh, after that, uh, we had Captain Beefheart with Old Fart at Play, my theme song. <laughs> and then Ashray with Crocodile Tears. That's had Mr. Shimmy. That's his band before me grew. I get to record with him next month. I'm looking forward to it much. I love Mr. Shimmy. Statement after that by Boris. Got to see them when I took that trip. I saw them in Atlanta. Uh-huh. I was driving around. Okay. And they're an intense band. That's a wild band. They're from there? And it was weird. Yeah. I was at, no, they're not from Atlanta. They're uh, Tokyo. Oh, okay. And I, was, I did a spiel with them. I don't know if you heard it, but it was on what from Pedro's show. And I remember at the end of the thing, I asked him, well, do you have influences from the old days? Mm-hmm. Your old music, you know? He goes, no. <laughs> Everything is imported. <laughs> His name was Atsuo. <laughs> because the, the, he had the 70s thing, even though, you know, I had a couple years on him. He knew the 70s. Really? But they're a great band. They're a great band. Some of that stuff, you know, I think when people take on uh, kind of kitsch from another era or stuff, it, they're just little things. If, they're good, if it's strong music, it's got its own identity, and those things are just little de- decorations. Or what do you call it? You call jewelry and shit. Crudiment? Crudiments? Japanese? Accessorize? No, like if you wear earring, it doesn't really change your face. It's just mm-hmm. an accessory. Okay. And that's why I think sometimes when a band, hey, you know, we kind of like 60s or 70s and yeah. whatever era. It's just a little thing. I mean, unless they're really doing like, you know, Beatlemania thing or something. Right. It's just a little thing. Because if they got their own voice, that will come through. Uh, we had, uh, oh yeah, a Richie Hess with Beat on My Guitar Like an Idiot. Richie, uh, the same night Dose is doing that experimental thing at 10.30 at 8 p.m. on April 27th. We're doing a memorial for Richie Hess, who, yeah, the cancer got him. He fought hard, but it just, it just it's very sad. He was a very sweet, sweet man. And uh, Sometimes it's a sad thing, you know, like some people live healthy all their yeah. lives and exercise and do the right things, but then cancer got them. Yeah. He played with Joe Bizes. He was the vibes player in Sacrament Trust. And mm-hmm. Joe was really surprised because actually Richie was doing good. He was rebounding, responding to the treatment, and then... Sometimes it happens. Just that whooped way. up, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In fact, it happened the day we played Safari Sam's with Carla. Oh, really? Remember? Yeah, uh, it's just a. Evangelista? Two weeks, yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah, somebody told me at the gig. Right, wow. Well, Joe Beiser was there. Yeah. And he saw him the day before. So, that's why some people ask me, why do you play so intense? Why do you do gigs so intense? And that's never, one of the I, reasons. I never asked you. I expected that. I said some people. <laughs> but because you don't know when your last gig is. So, yeah. God, how would you want it? I don't know if you're conscious of it, but you think back, my last gig, I just was halfway. I was just sleepwalking through it. <laughs> no. You don't know when your number right. is up. That They say that, right? It's also a saying, up. like, you know, you're as good as your last gig as well. Yeah. 
I think that's important even if you're not killed, uh, this idea of resting on laurels. Like, I, I'll have people say to me, I hope it's not too self-important to say this, but you're legend. But, you know, a lot of that's just circumstance. You know, I didn't get killed. I still think I have to be relevant. I have to be doing something in the now. I can't rest just on the past. Mm-hmm. A lot of that was de-boom, getting to play with that man. Mm-hmm. So... But it is kind of people. And there's weird things, too. Here's another society encumberment. Uh, notoriety. You know, mm-hmm. there's this idea of celebrity and stuff. Yeah. Some people, right, they say some people are famous just for being famous. <laughs> there's plenty of them. Yeah, what's that about? Especially people who were born into a certain last name. They can't help it. Yeah, well, that might be even a burden. Well, that's, you know, it's not... It's just as much them as other people making them to be something else, and they kind of play upon that personality that people expect them to be, you know. Because, like, we're talking about how um, majority of people have to do things, um, journeymen, like we said, like you said, um... They just well, I was using it negative because journeymen can be positive. Sure, yeah. I mean, if you in the old in the old days, like with masons, yeah, surrend- there was apprentice, journeyman, and master. And journeyman was the middle. Well, you kind of surrender yourself into the duty of what what that is that you do, and you kind of do it without ego, and that's kind of what I my impression of that conversation was. Um, yeah, well, and but um, I think in this culture, Americans especially have um, have this mundane sort of lifestyle that um, they, for better, for lack of a better term, live curiously through other people's stardoms and idealize personalities, and that what spring out the necessity of making people into stars and celebrities oh, yeah. because because. They don't want to look at themselves. Or maybe we don't have royalty, so that has become the royalty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thailand has a king, right? Yeah. And so the focus, the peoples can focus on that. Kind of, yeah. You were telling me once about how the king's kind of a big deal in people's lives in Thailand, right? He's like a a father to everyone. It's kind of... They almost all know him. Or have a personal relationship. Well, no, no. In their minds. In their minds, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like a whole different um, social fabric there where, you know, family unit is kind of the most important thing, I guess. And um, father and parents figure or grandparents are are to be looked up on to this whole respect thing and um, in different... You know, you put yourself... You humble yourself by... Thinking of other people who have come before you, yeah, and and they they kind of have more wisdom, so you kind of be modest at all times and yeah. do do what you got to do, and um, where's the king fit in? Yeah, that's what the king is like a, a, a ultimate symbol of the father figure that look over the country and the country, um, the population of his children. Um, so luckily, I always say this that he happens to be cool. I mean, I can't say for anybody else before or, or maybe after, but this this particular one, he like you know, he's into the arts and he's into music. Probably every day, there's news about him, right? Um, well, has to, be, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, but but yeah. And he was kind of 
involved with this coup a little bit? Yeah, but that's kind of controversial, you know. I don't, I don't know the because he's so, of it's, it. a, it's a constitutional monarchy. He's supposed to yeah. kind of be outside. Exactly, but 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 once he does say something, people do listen. But yeah. he try not to say anything because because constitution does write down that he has no authority. Yeah, but he definitely has influence. So, and he's a charismatic guy. Yeah, and they're, they're laws. You know, if you defame him, talk bad about him, you can get arrested. Yeah, they're laws against it. Um, but people don't do it just out of this ultimate respect, like just love and respect, revere, hugely. So, but is there a prince? Does he have a son? Yeah, he yeah, does have a son, and uh, what's he like? Um, is he hmm. spoiled. Will I get arrested for saying all this? But uh, yeah, he's kind of like not cool, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so I, that's why I'm kind of like curious to see what happens he doesn't play later he's not in a band no <laughs> if he's in a band I might like him a little bit but <laughs> maybe that's just my bias the king opinion supports arts. He, yeah he does it you know he's a saxophone player although he's American oh he does citizen. play yeah he's an American citizen he was born in Massachusetts or something and educated and educated in Oxford, Oxford England, England like a lot of uh, people in that Stat status, all the riches go to England for education. And uh, yeah, he's known to throw some jazz jam in his palace, and I'm still kind of trying to find ways to get in on it somehow. But <laughs> but I think it's too late. I don't know. Does he live in a fancy pad? Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He has his own army. It's the royal army, like the England have. You know, that's surrounded. Do they give tours of his pad? No. no. <laughs> But may, I Buckingham don't know. Palace, they do. I, d- I don't know. I never put in a request. Maybe there's okay. like a, a minister of palace tour request. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's have some more music.
chop onions and chop beef and make my rent. Then I get two teeth out and then, God willing, 20 Percocets so I can sleep through the rest of the weekend. You know something? I could get 120 Percocets if I had a goddamn record deal and it was like Elvis and I could drop dead big and fat at 42. But in the meantime, could you spare me like 60 cents for the subway maybe? At least I'm big and big and Big and bossing, yeah, we're big and bossing. 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 Big and bossing, yeah, we're big and bossing.
you seen the skipper's daughter? Have you seen the skipper's daughter? Lie in the morning. Wait up, she comes his way. Wait up, she rises. up, she rises. Her lie in the morning. What shall we do with the drunken sailor? What shall we do with the drunken sailor? What shall we do with the drunken sailor? Lie in the morning. Put him in a leaky boat and make him bailer. Put him in a leaky boat and make him bailer. Put him in a leaky boat and make him bailer. Lie in the morning. Skipper's daughter, have you seen the skipper's daughter? Have you seen the skipper's daughter? Lie in the morning, wait up, she rises, wait up, she rises, wait up, she rises, her lie in the morning. What shall we do with the drunken sailor? What shall we do with the drunken sailor? What shall we do with the drunken sailor? Lie in the morning. Shave his belly with a rusty razor, shave his belly with a rusty razor, shave his belly with a rusty razor, lie in the morning.
for Pedro show uh, started that off with uh, that chunk of music <laughs> I should say uh, Raspberry Cotton by Joseph D'Arcy and then we heard Melt Me by Black Moth Super Rainbow then <laughs> Big in Boston by uh, Johnny and the Black Jacks something from the middle of the 80s I think mm-hmm. And then Drunken Sailor by the Booze Beggars. And then HMS Unable by Shin Jin Rui. But they're an England band. HMS, I think, stands for either His Majesty's Ship or Her Majesty's Ship. Yeah. If they're from England, it's Her Majesty, yeah? Huh? If they're from England, then it's Her Majesty. Wouldn't Not if a king is in... Sh- right now, probably, because Elizabeth. But yeah. Harry, who's the one who's supposed to... Willie? I don't know. What are those guys <laughs> supposed to get on? John. George. No, it's either Willie or Harry, right? I don't. Oh, oh, the kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Charles can't be... Why? I don't think he wants to. Oh. <laughs> His ma's still alive, for one thing. I think he, the one has to right. die before. <laughs> and he's like, Charles no, himself you, is you, getting you up You come at. from a king culture with that tie thing. <laughs> I didn't know he jammed on the sax. That's wild. Yeah. I don't know he jams, but he plays. <laughs> okay. And the uh, uh, last one there was uh, Musical Electricity by Howard Am, uh, who was a guest on the show. I was telling Feek. Uh, first time I was... Well, not first time, because Jack Brewer solicited himself many times. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I want to be a guest on the lot from Pedro show. Yeah. Uh, you had a... A brush with notoriety because... What? <laughs> what were you saying? You were on the Wilco bus? No, no. Uh, Chica- um, Wilco did a five-day run in Chicago um, last February. And I went there. And um, the monitor guy, he kind of 
when he greeted me and he's like, "Hey, I heard you on What's Show." <laughs> I played Wilco. The boss used to have a band called Uncle Tru- Uncle Tupelo, Tupelo and yeah. I played with them when I was playing with Firehose. Oh, really? I think early nineties. Okay. <laughs> they were from St. Louis. Okay. And they kind of reminded me a little of the Meat Puppets. Okay. Who I got to see, by the way. Like recently? A couple weeks ago, yeah. Oh. Yeah, Kurt was playing. They all were playing great. Where was this? The Glass House, Pomona. Oh, Pomona. You went all the way there. Well, I ha- I was asked to go to take a pic because I did an interview with Chris Kirk with the bass player. Okay. He's doing really well now. And But I got to see him play. I mean, I've loved those guys for years. And mm-hmm. God, Kurt was tearing up on guitar. <laughs> Couldn't really hear Chris, the sound man. They were opening for Built to Spill. I got to talk with Doug. I hadn't spoke with him in a while. Mm-hmm. That was great. Um, the Meat Puppets. You know, them and Sacrin are like the only bands from the old days. Mm-hmm. Somebody called me about the writing a book on Husker Du, and I got to talk about Husker's huh. grants in on it, so it's not like an unauthorized thing. <laughs> but, and, and I don't think Bob's part of it. <laughs> Bob and Grant will ever they will um, but yeah guys from the old days do you see that thing going around the timeline of the black flag members and all the haircuts no I gotta send that to you it's hilarious yeah please do <laughs> I mean you don't want to get too snared up in the old days but but you know you I like it remember as a it was a tight crew in those days yeah had to be look at overall pictures it's still interesting um well, that's the uh, April 13th, 2008 edition of the Watt from Pedro show. Um, thank you, Miss Peek, for coming aboard. You're welcome. And uh, see you folks when I get back. I have a show next week. Brother Matt will tell everybody about his trip to Mexico. I might crush that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you'll be asked. Bored. <laughs> okay, keep your powder dry. Bye.